Hey guys, it's Brooke Eagle, and we are back with another episode of the Forsyth Magazine's podcast. And today I have Ann Gotro, Senior Director of Public Relations at Trellis Support and also a longtime friend. Hi, Ann. Hello, Brooke. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. So before we officially jump into the topic of Trellis Supportive Care and all the great things we do, I had a flashback on my way over. <laughs> do you remember your very first podcast guest? You were very close. I was thinking it was me. <laughs> you were, I think you were the second one. I think, okay. you were, I think you were episode, I think you were episode two. Yeah, there okay. were some designers. That yeah, was- accent prone was episode one, and you were episode two, but you came to the very first recording we session. We filmed on the same, or we recorded yeah. the same morning. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. back in those days, I recorded, which I talk about this a lot, this is insanity, but I, re- I would record eight episodes in one sitting. Wow, pretty aggressive. Like, no, I would not do that now. <laughs> After about four times of that, I said, <sighs> Brooke, <laughs> can we uh, not do so many? I mean... Do I like the billable hours? Yes. But can we not do <laughs> four, four hours in yeah. a row? Well, because <sighs> because it's it's exhausting. Yeah. And you The last yeah. couple of episodes I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the questions the questions <laughs> taper off and yeah. uh, and you sound like it's everything you can do. Even in the most riveting of conversations, you're yeah. like <laughs> I do listen in from time to time, and they always sound fabulous. Well, thank you. And I'm really glad to be back. I know. It's been a a few years. It's been way too long. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mistakenly, to me, Trellis changed their name like, you know, yesterday. To me, it still seems like it's so fresh and new. But we were just talking before we started recording. It was in 2018. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So we were previously Hospice and Palliative Care Center, which was a very descriptive name. Mm-hmm. We provide hospice and palliative care. Uh, we do have the beautiful Kate B. Reynolds Hospice Home for those patients that need, you know, that around-the-clock care from time to time or their loved ones need a respite or a break. But um, there really was so much confusion. Um, a lot of people still believe um, that hospice is hospice, that you just get the hospice in your county or the hospice in your city. Um, I bet what most people don't know is that the hospice to call it an industry, but it is, has changed significantly in the last decade. Yeah. We were the very first hospice in North Carolina. We were established in 1977. We cared for our first patient in 1979. Um, and we were nonprofit, and we still are nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But those of us that are nonprofit, freestanding hospices are getting fewer and fewer and fewer because equity firms are buying up hospices. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's Pe- gotten, I don't think people know they have a choice. People a lot don't. Of times. People don't know they have a choice. And so people yeah. would say, I need hospice. And for whatever reason, um, they thought they were getting ho- our hospice, but, they, but a lot of people were not getting the hospice they thought they were getting. So we decided we needed to change our name to be more reflective of kind of less descriptive and more personality. Yeah. And we uh, we did go through a pretty significant focus group and a lot of research. I a remember. Lot of, yeah. yeah. A lot of people thought it wasn't a great idea to get rid of the word hospice in our name. So that was probably the most difficult decision. But um, when we were presented with the idea of trellis supportive care and that notion of a trellis being a framework of support, 
um, we thought that's it. Yeah. That's it. And also for people that garden, it, it does invoke like this peaceful sort of sanctuary being in a garden and oh, yeah. a calm presence. And so we hope those things are reflective of the experience people have. When I love the new names, the not so new name. But yeah. So, okay, let's say you're in, you have a loved one who is in the hospital. They need to bring in hospice. How do you make sure, how would you go about wording it and making sure that you know that you're getting the trellis to care for your loved one? Well, I would say to consumers and people that think maybe there's going to be a hospice decision in the next year or so, get to know us before you need us and make sure that you can ask for trellis supportive care by name. Again, you know, if people say, um, we need hospice or a lot of, you know, really a lot of times a physician is going to say it's time for hospice. And if you're in the hospital or in a specialty practice, there is probably someone who's going to help you navigate that. I hate to use the word referral, but you know, it is a referral to hospice care. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope that we have such a stellar reputation within the hospital systems and with our patients and families and the people that refer to us that they have absolute confidence we're the best choice and that they will refer to us specifically. But it is important for it is important for people to understand that there's choice and to know the differences because no two hospices are alike. Yeah. We're the only one in Forsyth County with a hospice home. And, you know, being nonprofit, we're able to put 100% of our funds back into patient care and programs and services. That's awesome. So I do want to back up for a second because I'm so familiar with hospice and with trellis support in general. But for people who are like, okay, what exactly is hospice? What qualifies as needing hospice care? Like what can you kind of give us the one-on-one for that? Yeah, yeah, that's a a great question. And I would, the most broad answer is, If you have a feeling that your loved one may pass away within the next year, it's probably time for hospice. Now, technically, hospice is appropriate when a physician's best guess, and there's no crystal ball, so it really is just a best guess, but that life expectancy is six months or less. Mm -hmm. When When that happens, when that time comes, that's when hospice care is appropriate. Um... And also covered, covered by Medicare. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably 90% of our patients are covered by Medicare. And then, of course, we take most insurance, most insurance companies cover hospice care, and we also take Medicaid. Yeah. You know, well, we, ne- we never turn anybody away, you know, as a nonprofit. Sure. We provide a lot of charity care, too. Would you, would you say, I feel like I already know the answer to this, but would you say that most people call you guys too late? It's the number one piece of feedback we get is people just saying, oh, my oh my God, I wish I'd known sooner. Yeah. Like, why didn't anybody tell me, I, you know, I wish our physician had said something sooner or I wish I'd known about you all. This is, you know, we could have used you for months yeah. or weeks. I think, I think people have this big misconception that they're like, quote unquote, giving up if they're calling in hospice. And that's, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think you could give a much better last six months or more of life in a place like trellis support than in the hospital a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Or in home care, which is what you guys do even more of, I think. Yeah, we do much more in home care. We yeah. Probably about a third of our patients will have some stay at, at our hospice home. Um, but by and large, hospice care was always meant to be provided 
in wherever people live. Of course, we're, we provide care wherever somebody calls home, whether if that's a long-term care facility or an assisted living community, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to your original thought, there's so much quality of life that is enhanced. I mean, if you really, really think about a journey with a really serious illness that does get to the point where either treatment is, you know, futile it's, or doing t- potentially more harm than good, um, you can make this transition and not only feel better, but most people actually do live longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's tons of research about, you know, studies that show hospice care on average will give somebody an extra 30 days of, of life. Oh, wow. You know, and if you think about the, you know, you're, you're, you're choosing to be comfortable, so you're, you're not in pain. Some of those horrible symptoms that sometimes accompany treatments, you know, fatigue, nausea, whatever the case may be, you know, you can say goodbye to that and, and kind of, it is redefining hope, isn't it? I yeah, mean, for sure. It isn't hope for a cure, but it's hope that your last few months will be on your terms, that yeah. your last few months will not be in a hospital getting treatments that are just really deteriorating your whole being. But it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's redefining hope that you'll be at home, surrounded by your loved ones, able to make choices, getting a sense of control mm-hmm. over your care and what your wishes are for those final months. Yeah. And, you know, we're not a Make-A-Wish Foundation, but we're pretty darn close. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the really, I guess, I was going to say fun. Maybe that's not the right word to say here in the context of hospice care and trellis supportive care, but really rewarding things is how much our staff wants that experience to be just perfect for the people in our care. And it just seems like in the last few months we've, we've, we've done weddings. Mm. Um, I mean, and there's just story after story. We recently had a couple who wanted to go to Paris. Um, the husband kind of regretted that he wasn't able to, to do that. So we actually brought Paris to them. Oh, um, yeah. And, same thing. There was a woman who really wanted to, her favorite place in Winston-Salem was the Rinalda Gardens, and she really wanted to go to Rinalda Gardens again this past summer. Um, But when that wasn't quite possible, one of our volunteers happens to be like, I think the lead horticulturalist or something at Rinalda Gardens where she was able to, as the volunteer on the team, pull together this amazing um, bunch of flowers and um, even some swag from an old garden. Oh my gosh! She took pictures and had them framed and took it to the patient. So the patient was surrounded by an old gardens. You that's know, so in, special. In home. Yeah. I love that. You and I think you're so right. You guys are pretty darn close to a, the Make a Wish <laughs> Foundation. I love that. My uh, my uncle was in hospice care. I guess it's been close to two years ago now, and he was in the hospice KB Reynolds hospice home, and it's just. Of course, it was devastating, and we were all so sad, but it was also so peaceful, so much more peaceful than the beeps and the buzzes of a hospital. Um, so I think his family was definitely, and my, and we, our family, we were grateful that uh, his last few weeks were in were in hospice and not in a in a hospital bed. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and and it's one of those. I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow on the very front end 
to when the reality sinks in hospice, you have to have some acceptance yeah. that you're that you're going to be saying goodbye to your loved one in the next few months, six months maybe. Um, but once people make that transition, it's like instant relief. It's like a, a wave of relief. I went through it with my own father. My mother and I were, we thought we were being proactive, getting some palliative care in place just in case. Um, what we didn't realize was just how rapidly, how quickly he had declined and had, had cancer. Um, fortunately, uh, it was sudden. Um, but I just remember the day that we were thinking about the hosp- the palliative care coming in to, to do a consultation and maybe prepare us. Um, the reality was he was hospice appropriate, and we said yes, and it was hard. Yeah. But it was a wave of relief. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure if I didn't work there how savvy I would be as a consumer because sure. I think yeah. my dad's experience was my first very personal experience. And, you know, when I think back to the care that we received, even though he was only under, you know, we were with Trellis for two weeks, um, I don't know really what we would have done without it. We would have been lost and stressed, and he would have been in a lot of pain, and we would have been going to these doctor's appointments. We didn't even know how we were going to physically get him to the doctor's appointment was the reality when we decided this is is a little... Uh. It's just time, yeah. You know? And it's again, it's a, it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. But the relief, it's just a, it's an instant wash of relief. So when you can have the courage to, to make the call, it's yeah, a, it is a beautiful transition. I know it's hard to sort of frame that, but it really is. It is, yeah. That's why I know um, we wanted to talk about the November's National Hospice Month. And the theme is courageous conversations, yeah, which leads right into that. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's a very hard conversation to have, um, but I think it's smart to have that conversation in advance, yeah, and not under an emotional stressor that where you have to make a immediate yeah. decision. Yeah, yeah, that is the theme of the month. It's it is courageous conversations, and what it's really implying is this notion of advanced care planning in the technical sense. I mean, so, so, so the two things that really are involved in advanced care planning is who is it that's going to be your advocate? And that's, that's someone who you name as your health care power of attorney. So if I was to have a sudden stroke um, or heart attack and I wasn't able to speak for myself, so I need someone who is my health care power of attorney to say, you know, do this, this, and this. These are her wishes. Or, you know, even in the late stages of, a, of an advanced illness, when you've had time to really think about it and say, when this time comes, I don't want those treatments. If, if I know there's no hope for cure, I would much rather be comfortable for several months versus, you know. Yeah. So, so it is having these conversations. And, and then, so that's, you know, it is who will speak for you and what will your wishes for care be? So yeah. it's basically having conversations about those two things. And it seems like it takes a lot of courage to have those conversations, but maybe not so much, you know, yeah. because it's kind of like knowledge is power. And and so if you've had open, honest conversations with your loved ones and with your physicians to say, hey, you know, this is what I'm going to want, and this is the person who I trust to speak for me if I can't speak for myself. Mm-hmm. At least you've got a, mod- a modicum of control when everything else is out of control. Yeah. You know? Well, because, you know, nobody would want 
to make that decision for someone else. Like, you know, they would want to say, okay, they, this person chose me to make these decisions and these are the decisions that they want made rather than them having to guess when you're, you know, not in, a, in the right space, they have to guess what you might, may or may not want. So that's, yeah. nobody wants to do that. And in families, it's really important. Yeah, because the emotions really get in the way, Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> well, yeah, and there's just so much, um, you know, never with ill intent, but there can be family members that want the exact opposite thing Yeah, for the patient. I have a dear friend whose mother, she's, I think she has seven there are seven siblings in her in her family, and there were a couple that just did not really understand what hospice was, and they were adamantly opposed. But she knew what her mother would want, along with some of the other siblings, which would be the comfort of of hospice and going back to her home, mm. or being in a being in a hospice care facility, depending on the timing or whatnot. But. Um, it was such a divisive, very, uh, very divisive thing. And in the very end, they did have hospice care, not nearly as long as they could have. So her mom, she knows her mother's quality of life was compromised because uh, the siblings did not understand hospice. They did, they thought it was, well, something that you mentioned earlier, giving up. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, she did she did have hospice care, and they were so grateful for the comfort that, that she had. But, you know, there's that whole thing about is everybody on the same page? Yeah, you know? especially we, with seven siblings. My gosh, yeah. If even, well, I mean, even with two, you right, know, if right. me and my brother were on opposite uh, opposite pages, that would not be good either. Right. So, yeah, right. I think it's good to have a whole conversation with the whole family, really, so that everybody knows what everyone's wishes are. And and you would want to have this well in advance, I would say. You know, if, oh, if, yeah. if, if my parents are in their mid-70s now, and um, – they're perfectly healthy and everything, but you know, things change. Yeah. And it may be because we talk, I won't say all the time, but often about their wills and their ideas and things of when they're gone because they, their time is not as much as it has been. Yeah. And um, I think having that conversation when everyone's in a good mood, mm-hmm. and I know that, you know, we're talking bad and omens and all that other stuff, you know, get that uh, superstitious stuff out of your head. You need to, this is this is real life and or real death mm-hmm. that you need to prepare for. And it, it's not something that you need to wait until, oh, crap, we need this. Yeah. And, and, you know, when the time comes, just uh, take care of me. Yeah. 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 And I, it's funny that I hear you saying about you know, the bad omens. And if you talk about it, it'll happen. I mean, I really, really believe in the power of words and I do believe in energy. Um, and I believe when it comes to this conversation, it's good energy. You're setting yourself up for smooth sailing when the time comes, Yep. you know, that this is a really proactive way to bring some peace of mind to a time that might not be a peaceful, oh, yeah. a peaceful time. Yep. The sooner, the better, I think. Yeah. And, 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 you bring up a great point about talking with your parents and and even revisiting from time to time, you know, whether you, maybe it's Thanksgiving, a, a time of year when we all say, boy, I'm just so thankful for this, that, and the other thing. And families often gather during the holidays and aren't we blessed to have had a great year with good health or whatever it is. And you know what, on that topic of, of being blessed, let's talk about also how we're going to, how we best want to support each other and what our wishes will be in the future. And mm-hmm. Because, I mean, this is not necessarily my situation, but my sister, like you said, you and your brother, my sister and my adopted brother, 
the three of us, if it come down to my parents, you know, we'd have to have that discussion. It would, and I can see there being maybe some obstacles that we had to go through on that. If my parents, again, in their right mind, say, this is what I want, then it no makes that, that makes that argument a whole lot less uh, uh, toxic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Instead of speculating what you think they have want, may have wanted, yeah. you're like, nope, they told us this is yeah. what they want. Yeah. <laughs> I have it on video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, it is that simple. It is that simple. And write it down and everybody like, hey, remember we wrote this down last year at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Here's the other thing I want to say about if, if the process is baffling um, to anybody, Trellis Supportive Care, free of charge, has workshops all the time. We actually call – we actually sort of named this program Got Plans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is that we, you know, we do these free workshops. Um, we, we actually serve 13 counties. Uh, we have offices in, in addition to Winston-Salem and our hospice home, we have an office in Walnut Cove in Stokes County. We also have an office in Moxville in Davie County and Salisbury in Rowan County. And we do workshops in all of those locations every month. Um, and we'll also, if somebody, you know, wants to set up a kind of an appointment or have a small group, we'll come out and do, do these workshops. Awesome. Um, and, and then actually have, have paperwork documented too, so that you can give a copy to your physicians. Ah, uh, yeah. And so also that your children can have copies or whoever your healthcare power of attorney is, you know, put it someplace where, you know, this is my go-to if, and, you know, if, and when the time comes. Yeah. Because it's not really a matter of if, it's really when. <laughs> well, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you are right. Eventually, it yeah. will happen. Yeah. 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 Unless it's a, you know, super sudden death or an accident, you're right. It's, yeah. It's more like when when the time comes. Yeah. Well, and I can't believe our time is already almost up. But as we're wrapping things up, um, you mentioned all the offices that you guys have. If somebody was interested in volunteering for Trellis, which I know y'all have tons of volunteers, but are always looking for more. Yeah. Um, or if you're interested in donating to something for Trellis, how do, how do you go about doing that? Two easy ways. So our, so our website is, is full of contact information and there's a volunteer tab. There's a ways a donation. Um, Super easy, super easy website address, trellissupport.org. And if anybody wants to call us, um, 336-768-3972. Awesome. Yeah. Trellissupport.org, that's easy enough. Yep. We'll put that in the show notes. And hopefully this was informative. If you had not heard of Trellis Supportive Care, um, now you know. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for chatting with me, Anne. Always, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. (laughs) As always, you can find Forsyth Mags online, ForsythMags.com. We're on social media at Forsyth Mags. You can pick up our print magazines at all of your local Harris Teeter grocery stores, all the local restaurants, all the things. And that's a wrap for today. The views and opinions stated on this podcast are solely those of the contributors and not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting companies. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without expressed written consent of Forsyth Magazines Incorporated. Ooh, that's a mouthful. <laughs>